0: And hey, this is Brandon Sutton of Creative Souls, saying hello from the sunny Modesto, California. Just want to let you know you're listening to What at RadioWhat.com. Keep change moving.
1: RadioWhat.com. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in a living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous. It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time. DJLittleRock.com. Check availability and get a free price quote, and maybe you could have me at your next event. You know I like to party with the people? The people need to be entertained. All you not entertained. Let me entertain you. Oh, my goodness. Today on the program, I have Harsef... J.R. Tierra, the hemp guru, LLC. Oh, you've heard a little bit about that. Well, he's uh, one of the people that Katrina Te- Texador from Kaz Marketing Agency has sent over to uh, have a chat. I'm kind of excited for you to hear what we're going to talk about. Yeah, you're going to hear a little bit more about Harsev J.R. Tierra. So stick around. This week's shows, I have one public show. Well, really, I have two public shows, but uh, the one that I'm always at on Friday nights, you'll probably find me there almost every Friday night of the year. That's the Rab in Conway, Arkansas, the video dance party karaoke jam. Yes, I said karaoke. We got a little concert starring each and every one of you. Come sing a song for the people. You provide the entertainment. I'm just pressing buttons. You pick the song, you sing the song, you're the star of the show at The Rab in Conway, Arkansas, 8 p.m. until 1230 in the AM. They got a full bar, kitchens open, pool tables. They got a pool tournament on Friday night. So if you want to try your hand at playing pool, I encourage you to check out The Rab, Conway, Arkansas. I'll wait. We got time, 8 p.m. until 1230 in the AM. Come on out. It's a good time. Now, I did say I have two public shows. I'll be in Marshall, Arkansas from 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. on Saturday. There's a grand opening at the Family Dollar, and I'm going to play some music at the Marshall Family Dollar. It's a grand opening. You guys are getting a Family Dollar in Marshall, Arkansas. I'm stoked. I'm so stoked. All right. (laughs) That's enough intro. Let's get into it with Harsev JR Tierra, the hemp guru himself. I got him on Skype. So if you're listening to the audio version, check out the video version youtube.com forward slash user forward slash keysdan. Skyping Harsev JR Tierra now. There we are. Man, you're a, you're a pro.
0: I have to figure out this techno. I, I haven't done Skype forever. No, <laughs> but, but I got her.
1: You got the headphones, you got the microphone. I I, I
0: took- Took instructions, man. Took instructions. That's <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever done. I didn't realize it makes such a difference when you do these zooms and so forth. It does. Um, it
1: does. Should I call you Harsev, Jr., Tierra?
0: I think uh, Jr. is fine. That's my. I mean, it just depends, right? I, in a formal sense, you know, the spiritually, God, the people call me Harsev, right? But from a business perspective, Jr. is easy to remember and. Um, it's just my trade name. I always say, hi, this is JR most of the time, unless you know me, right? If you know me, Harsev is great, right?
1: Well, I want to know you. I want to know a whole lot more about you, Harsev. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Harsev. Now, pronounce All your right. last name for the people.
0: Tiara, Tiara, oh. Tiara, Tiara, actually, officially. <laughs> All right,
1: like a crown. Okay. Now, I, I noticed you're not a, a, go- a hemp uh, novice. You're not a hemp, even advanced hemp person you're an actual hemp guru now what sets you, <laughs> What makes you a hemp guru uh, as opposed to anything else
0: well yeah you know my my family's originally from Punjab India and uh I'm a Punjabi of the Sikh faith and the the term guru is actually a big word in our, our re- religious perspective and so that's the best word I could come up with guru means teacher and so my whole life has been about Teaching people about many different walks of life, but especially in the last few decades, about health, spiritual living, healing, uh, being happy, being good, truth finders, basically, right seekers. And Sikhism literally means seekers of truth. That's the definition of Sikh.
1: See, this is primarily a learning podcast. The reason I did this, uh, what makes you famous podcast, I wanted to talk to people, have conversations with people and learn from people. So you, you are actually being my guru, my teacher, uh, <laughs> my my person that's going to teach me about uh, quite a few things. Now I've been, uh, you know, and, and yeah, my name is Dan Keys. Dan, you can call me Dan. My mama Pleasure calls me to Dan. to meet you,
0: Dan. Face oh, to face, finally.
1: So happy to be here on the What Makes You Famous podcast. Uh, so happy to have you here. Absolutely. Now you're hailing uh, for all the way from California. Uh, what part of California are you in?
0: Uh, we're in north uh, northern California, just north of the capital city, Sacramento. So we're in this beautiful valley surrounded by rivers. Uh, we're down a couple, just an hour and a half from our beautiful Lake Tahoe uh, mountain resort. We have the ocean a couple miles away. We have volcanic uh, volcanoes a couple of hours away, massive rivers, uh, so it's really a beautiful. We're not overcrowded yet, so it's really a beautiful. And the weather, we get all four seasons. It's it's beautiful. It's fun.
1: What a geographical anomaly! You got the ocean over there. You got the mountains over there. You got the forest over there. You got uh, so much to see, so much to do. You're probably not too far away from uh, a vineyard or two. Uh, you
0: know? Uh, yeah, we're we're just a couple of hours from Napa, the, the the actual famous you know uh wine country, and then we have Sonoma, which is maybe a three hour drig, and there's some wineries popping up here in the foothills now this used to be actually this was originally uh the valley floor was grape country fresh grapes and and then back in the 50s or so there was disease that came and just just devastated the crops and we were the this is where the thompson seedless grape the first seedless grape was started and then and then all of a sudden napa became the all the big cheese cojona and uh then fresh the fresh food fu- the fresh fruit market is about a four hour drive from us in central california so we're fruits and nuts up here walnuts almonds peaches um, anything that's say, processed in the sense of, like, canned or dried, um, and we have prunes, you know, the famous prune, uh, and we're also the Kiwi capital. We were the original Kiwi capital of, of, of the United States.
1: Well, and my fair.
0: family's been farming here. Actually, my family came from Punjab, a farming community, exactly almost ditto of this environment. Uh, Northern India is this exact ditto valley of rivers and land and fertile, and uh, so... Landing here back in 1906, my grandfather's older brother uh, ended up making his way from the port of Seattle by stagecoach and dropped off to the neighboring town. And lo and behold, he was right here near the gold rush. But actually, and the farm people were trying to farm from the East Coast, trying to figure it out. And we just became a natural fit, slowly but surely. And that's how my family evolved as farming. I was a farmer. My, my, my background is farming.
1: That is fantastic. Right. Now, say, you say he got there to San Diego or, or, Sac- or uh, yeah, uh, Seattle? Seattle. Seattle. Okay, he he came from the north to the south. Now, right, in, in, in India, in Punjab, in uh, P- was it Punjabi? Was that the name yes, of the town?
0: Yes, he, he came from Punjab. The last Punjab? place I could imagine anybody even hearing about the gold rush because it's it was it's pretty in the deep woods. In those yeah. days, it was very village life. I mean, little house on the prairie. You know.
1: And times two he's over um, there farming in Punjab, and he was looking uh for a uh i guess opportunity just like anybody else uh trying to find a better way uh what what would make him leave his home of india it's hard it's hard to I, um, sometimes it's hard to imagine that you want to uh take roots up and travel to another part of the world and, and, yeah. and try to build a life uh, what made him leave I, india
0: yeah, it's uh, I. You know, I, I I grew up with him for I had the opportunity to grow up with him uh, for about 14 years of my life, and it was a beautiful beautiful thing. I'm so fortunate. I had my father, my grandfather, and the older brother all as my mentors. And, um, but, and he was a great man. He was a very good man. He he made it from the straps of his, you know, bootlegs and became very successful here. And as a result, uh, uh, my my sisters and I are are the first generation born in the U.S. And so, uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it was, India was a British colony back then, and they must have heard about, about the gold rush or something somehow you know in in that way deep Woods, you know, so to speak, and decided to make it here. He was one of the first few migrants from India uh, to, to cross the border here, and uh, and they happen to land in this. It's really funny. We the the Himalayan mountains border Punjab. In other words, you're, you when you go up the mountains, it's the Himalayas. The it's where the, the home of the Dalai Lama is just a you know seven eight hour drive away above the ground where we farm, and um and and we end up in the largest mountain range in the world. Right, that's where we come from. Right, the Himalayas Mount Everest. And somehow we end up to this uh, – we're known for – the county's called Sutter County, and we have a mountain range called the Sutter Buttes, and they're the smallest mountain range in the <laughs> so we went from the biggest to the smallest and it was just it was quite a weird anomalies of story here right to tell it just
1: yeah you just came to a miniaturized version of where you're from now when he was in was <laughs> he, he was in Punjab what was he farming for and did he take some of uh, back, that back then, that farming back then it, to mostly America. row
0: crops sugar cane uh bits of cotton uh grains mainly grains rice um and because we didn't have you know orchards there were some mangoes but um people didn't really grow them in grows back then they were they were grown mostly in the mountains and so forth um and so and primarily in India it's mostly staple crops but they do have vegetables and you know they're big veggie eaters so there's now there's other vegetable crops like cauliflower broccoli those kinds of things um that are grown potatoes peanuts you know, so okay. did he bring, it's ideal for prime farming, any, anything you want.
1: Well, did he bring that to Seattle and then ultimately to where you are right now?
0: Yeah, he actually, when he, when he, when he, uh, dropped, walked off the, uh, the USS Tartar <laughs> was the name of the ship. Uh, when he walked off of that plank, got on the stagecoach, the immigrants from India were called Asians for some reason at that time. And, uh, and were only allowed to have $8 in their pocket back in 1906. That was the maximum amount of money. Now that was, I don't know what the, I have never done the math. It might be 80,000 today or, <laughs> you know, or something of that. nature. Um, and so, so, so some reason, I guess he must've been able to communicate. I want to go to this gold place or this Sutter or whatever, however they knew about it. And so the, somebody with, at the port there said okay it's going to be you know so many dollars or 50 cents for you know for the ride for six eight hours or a day or two and the ticket ran out in the little town next to it next door to where we my family's actually hails from here now have been here since that time um because we've been here since 1906 right in the same little yeah. town um uh, so uh and so when he got off the and it was enough for money for food in your pocket and when he first got here didn't know anybody and indians weren't they the community, there was, well, you know our history in this country, right? There's a little bit of ill-fated history that went on back in those days, and so they, but they didn't know what to do with the brown guys from India. They really didn't know how to treat us, although. Um, They when he first came, they weren't allowed to sleep even in the barns with their horses. They had to find shelter outside. The English was a big issue that time. You know, between my uncle, he was illiterate in in English, and um, but what happened was he was here in 1906. He gained a reputation because all these farmers from you know the Irish and the Brits and the French who didn't know anything about farming coming from the East Coast, right? They're all like coat and tie folks, and they were struggling right and so all of a sudden and he comes and goes hey i can do this and he shows him how to irrigate the land and how to get water to go uphill and then downhill all these different techniques and how to how to plant them because it was in our blood already for a few generations and so he got respected and befriended a couple of farmers who were good people and very nice and genuine human beings and then uh he opened up we had a little we actually had a bank of america in my little town this <laughs> is really even though the gold, we have the gold rush was here so we had our cowboy i mean shooting them up, you know, the brothel's part of town, you know, in, in a neighboring town, you know, just like, you know, Dodge city, right. It was all the, the whole nine yards was there. And, um, and so, but eventually he got respect and eventually, you know, made his way indoors. And then a few more Punjabis made single men, you know, made it across the borders. And then he got a couple of people together. And I think he might've been the first labor contractor in all reality. Uh, he got the few people together that he able to house, you know, in a place, food, and then they started working for the different farmers in groups and became he became like the guy, right? Like, hey, come here. Help me. Come here. you know, It's time to harvest. It's time to do this. It's time to plant. And we were entering black the Black Friday days of the Great Depression. And during all these years, 17, 18, 19 years, he was able to earn they were earning like a nickel a day. Mm-hmm. And he was able to, I don't know how he did it, but he saved money in the bank, opened a, a Bank of America bank account, couldn't even sign his name, and saved enough money to have here, sent money back to India. My family bought a little more land, at the, just a little bit, of nickel a day. And here comes the Great Depression, and every American citizen went flat broke. The farmers were in dire straits, and he helped, he had money and gave it to the farmer that he was working with and saved his tail and that took us to a whole new level right that took us to an oh my gosh you know um you know we had a lot of different we had the color thing going on christianity thing going on you know just all these different factors um influencing the way people thought you sh- how you should be but but they were strong enough and strong willed enough they adapted but didn't give up their culture and you know their heritage and so um And that's how – and then after that – and you couldn't buy – and then the other thing you couldn't do is you couldn't buy land as an Indian if you weren't an American citizen. And they had what they call the Asian land law that they started in the early 20s. And um, so finally, there was a few Indian gentlemen who – once they came, they never really went back. And and some people came over single. Some people were married. Um, uh, But um, they – few people married um, – a a lot of Mexican-Americans were here, right, because we had the Spanish – California war. So Mexicans sit there were Mexican American citizens. So, and their culture is kind of similar cooking, you know, spices, you know, sauces. And so, one of these guys, one of our family friends, married a, a, a woman of Mexi- Mexican descent. And so, my, my granduncle was able to somehow buy land. And I can say it now, but back then it was a big secret. <laughs> it was like uh, underhanded government go to jail stuff. But, um, but in the name of this Mexicana woman and for like 10, 15 years, you know, farmed it, farmed it, you know, earned the money and once in the mid 40s abolished that law, that um, Asian land law and it was a, be- I think that's one of the most beautiful examples of, of, of integrity because it was just a handshake deal and with a handshake, he got his property back.
1: You know, oh it just good. I mean, it could
0: have turned about the opposite. It could have been just bad news. Right. And so so and so that's where began the legacy. And then my father came over in the 50s. And, um, you know, and then we had myself. I'm an only son. My father was an only son. Uh, and in Indian heritage, uh, that's a very important thing. <laughs> um, I have six sisters I was born to. So they kept trying, but they didn't
1: have any luck. <laughs> OK, well, <R. laughs> For- Seth, uh, you know, I appreciate so much that you have to. Uh, the knowledge that your grandfather and your father imparted to you—I love the story of your life, of your ancestry. You got roots like a like a, an oak tree. I think I have roots <laughs> like a radish. I, I barely knew my grand my grandfather on my dad's side. I barely knew my dad for that matter. You know my mother's wow. side a little bit better. You know they're from Cuba and, and such. You know the the oh, Caribbean. Wow. You know the Caribbean part, but the uh, right. the history that you have. Where you came from farmer after farmer after farmer, but they came traveling looking for uh for opportunity and they found that opportunity and fought for that opportunity because yeah around the turn of the last century in the early 1900s and uh it was pretty problematic i think there was more separation oh. uh, to be sure you know oh we don't we don't hire irish oh we don't hire right. those yeah. those italians we don't hire you know it right. was so divided uh, by even by uh, you know where you're from and then, you know, it, it became slowly. I, I don't. I don't remember when uh, Mexicans uh, were started to be classified as as white because they, you know, the white people couldn't figure it out. They couldn't figure out. <laughs> oh, I don't know what to call them. Man, hey, let's call them. Uh, I know, would they be white? You know. But but right. they don't. You know, anybody other than Caucasian became. Uh, you know, had to fight, had to struggle twice as hard to get half as much and a nickel a day. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like much and it doesn't see it probably wasn't a lot. I, I couldn't imagine that it's uh, you know I know you were making a joke earlier where you know $8 in your pocket's like 80,000. It's it's hard to uh quantify the you know what this it would equal you know with inflation but oh, uh, your your grandfather and father sound like pretty impressive fellas. That's it, it, it
0: was It was actually it's 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 very fortunate you know The what What they did they were they were leaders you know they were they were nomads they they did it you know they they, they absolutely took advantage of the, the the opportunity here and went through the struggles um and uh well
1: you're saying in, in your culture the having a male heir uh does help uh, you know cultural wise uh the the females uh, are, is there uh, a, a different treatment? I, I know even growing up as, uh, I, I guess, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm mostly Caucasian. Uh, you know, the the girls, there is a double standard. You know, boys can go out and, and uh, you know, paint the town red. But girls, right. you got to keep them home because, uh, you know, right. you got to keep a tight rein on them. Uh, what, how's the culture in, in uh, India? Well, yeah,
0: uh, Punjabi culture, uh, uh, you know, what, well, the interesting thing, Dan, is, when my parents, like my, 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 when my, my granduncle came, he actually assim, uh, assimilated really much more aggressively uh, than when my father's generation came. And when my father's, because they had family, right, wives and some have, starting to have kids, and there were more people, there were more families, and we kind of got frozen in time. We actually left India and left India from like the 60s, you know, and that whatever with the thought process of how women were treated. And I mean, women in our in our in our culture, um, in our very first in our for lack of better words, the holy book, women are to be revered and respected. That's that's one big difference in Sikhism. It's equality is big. And so so but girls could not go paint the town. There's no that part of, you know, whether it's America or in the old 50s or India, uh, that part of the world just seems to stick, right? It's just, you know, you got to stay home, um, you you know, and, you you know, you can't go out. And of course, they didn't do a lot of dating in those days in the culture. It wasn't because that's the biggest thing in India. Traditionally, there was no dating. I mean, officially, and everything was arranged marriages and through, through family connections and making sure there's no bloodline conflicts and all this. And then, you know, how you match up with somebody. Parents were involved, and you'd talk. It was a pretty big family affair. Um, and so my sisters, although my father was pretty, um, uh, modern in his own, you know, he loved America. He loved all the cool stuff that, you know, that you could live with. Um, and he, my sisters were, had a much more liberal life than my, I had other, I had another five cousin, first cousin sisters in the same town that, so they had 11 sisters and one boy, basically. And I, I was split between two families, two sisters married to two first cousins. Right. So, um, but they were treated differently, more strict Definitely, by far, than my sisters were um although my sisters had that just they had a general morality anyway, you know but but they had more freedom, there was a trust factor um and then i had uh I went to school in my little town into kindergarten, but after that, my father we also got involved in the old days with all the politicians that was one thing Indians were very smart about. they pooled their money and In those days, the sheriff, you know how to take care of the sheriff (laughs) when there was an issue, you you got your congressmen, uh, senators, assemblymen, the governor of California used to come here to put through all these people would come through my family's house. And so my father said, I want my son to have the best, be the best American he could possibly be. And he's talking to these guys and they go, well, there's this military academy uh, in the the Bay Area, San Francisco area. And... um, I don't know. He's, he, you know, there's no brown people, black people there. Right. But, but next thing I know, I'm, I'm applied to go there and I'm six years old and I wasn't forced. I went there myself and I may, I actually made a conscientious decision. I go, yeah, I'm going to go here. <laughs> and, uh, so at six years old, boof, you know, like they take me. I'm dropped off. I'm I'm wearing military school clothes, a kind of tie. And a tie so, you know, the whole making my own bed, learning all this discipline. It was more of a finishing school. I call it Double O Seven School kind of thing, um, because they taught us all the things you need to know. You know, I mean, plus how to live and be a proper gentleman, right? And 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 be able to tour the world, right? You'd basically be the man of the world, right? The total ambassador. And so <laughs> at six um,
1: years old, you're already finishing what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: So, so I was a military boy for nine years at that joint, you know, and then, uh, then I went away, I went to another uh, Jesuit high school well, after that. Did, did you go up through
1: incredible. the, did you go up to the ranks? Uh, was there a ranking system? A, yeah, a class? yeah. I
0: actually, it was the craziest thing. Um, it was generally a you know, private first class, corporal, sergeant, you know, the same standard military. And, my first six months into it, I got my first little stripe, which is a private first class. And the school went up to ninth grade, 15 year olds. And, it, and, and, pow- uh, authority was based on age, but then, but rank was superior. So next thing I know, I'm six and a half years old and I'm telling 15 year old boys what to do. <laughs>
1: oh my. Okay. I mean, not All in right. a mean
0: way. Not in a mean way. Right. But you know, I mean, I am explaining. and then I, I went through the ranks and I actually, I guess I had leadership built in my I learned leadership. I learned it from a child, my the personalities that I was surrounded with. My father was a giver. He was a leader. I just had great role models, and so I made it through the ranks. Really, I was. I when I finished there, I was at the top rank, president of the school. You know, all that good stuff.
1: Well, was, and, there push, um, was there a push? Was there a push to go into the military from that school? Um, it, was, was it, it was
0: really. It was like the the question there was ROTC because it we only went to freshman year in high school, right? Yeah. And then if you really wanted to go further. Uh, there was a probably a, in those days there was probably a high school military high school but the other schools were more the reputation of that kind of what you think about military school disciplinary like my kid's a rat they're going to send you to military school but my my experience was it was like the best vacation ex- opportunity I could have ever had uh, they took us everywhere we did I mean if you earned it you got to do everything that nobody's ever probably done you know as far as a child uh, all the amusement parks as long as you earned it I mean they did and they taught us things and how to just be good and i mean they just and and so had i grown up in my little town i probably would have been a little cowboy kind of guy you know then just really lock-minded you know and and my political views would probably been really different you know
1: but you're learning Uh, how to work well with others and building up a networking i mean that these are skills that that you can use your whole life
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I had the opportunity because I lived in the dormitories. Then the um uh the, all my other friends, they some of them lived nearby, and they or they were day students, we called them, and their their parents would invite me to their homes on the weekends. Wow. So I got to experience different families, different cultures. Uh, those days you those days people went to church, so I went to every. A Christian denomination you can imagine, uh, and, and it was for me it was exciting because I was just watching and learning, you know, and, and they never said anything bad to me. They were like, hey, you know, go on kill somebody or beat somebody up. Like, so hey, this is not bad. What's there? There's nothing bad. And what? And what? The interesting thing about the philosophy of our our culture, um, they, when I went to the military camp, they go, well, we take the kids to church every Sunday, whatever you know, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, you know, whatever the church. And they said, well, there's a temple, but it's like an hour and a half away. It's not really a temple. It's our family's home. They go and just, you know, get together and celebrate the culture and, and you know, talk about stories and pass down the, the, the beliefs and things. And they said, well, well, we'll take them. And they said, well, we'll they go, well, no, well, what do you guys teach in church? And they say we just teach love and God and truth. And they go, take them there. <laughs> yeah,
1: you had a <laughs> thirst said, for knowledge. You wanted to learn yeah, wh- whatever said, it was. Take, take
0: them there, then. That's what, that, That's all we wanted to learn. And so, so it was really unique because I got a whole different perspective on the Eastern philosophy, Christian philosophy. Um, I didn't. Nobody ever tried to convert me. Part it's really, you know, there's guys that knock on my door that try to do that, but being right in the middle of it, nobody ever, ever <laughs> had to, tried to say, you know, be baptized, dude, do whatever. right? I just went and I learned and I brought the knowledge home and, you know, I had the best friends in the world internationally. And so, uh, so from that perspective, so, and I'm back in my little town now, I'm back in my little original town and I'm glad because I'm, um, I'm a leader here now uh, in the, in respect, you know, and uh, we farm here. My, my father passed on uh, about a decade ago. My mother's 85, but she's just kicking her. T- she's the best farmer I know. I mean, she just got over COVID and she beat it like a pup and uh, and she drives, she, she's out there working, telling workers what to do. She's out there pruning trees. I mean, she's this woman just a die hard. And, um, uh, and so, and then I, be, I became a city councilman of our local community and I'm, I'm the anti-corruption guy. I'm fighting for the citizens And because we have a Hispanic community, a Punjabi community, of course, the Caucasian community. And we're more of a lower income budget uh, on the spectrum. So I'm I'm helping every I'm just trying to give back all the generosity I received in life. I I have no choice. I can't hog and hold on to this stuff that was given to me my whole my whole educational life and, and the things I've experienced. So, and, and I, I became a substitute teacher. So I substitute when I can to, to add, to learn about the kids. That's what I did this morning. Uh, cause now, because of COVID there a shortage of teachers. So, and my businesses allow me to be flexible so I, I can go teach, but yet, you know, cause I don't have to clock in per se from cause I'm self-employed man. I, and so, um, so it's, it's really been kind of wonderful this, this, at this age now, uh, being able to—I didn't know I'd ever be a teacher. Quite frankly, that—that's the biggest joke I can imagine. But, but uh, I'm fa- i am fell in love with it because it's really the, ch- especially after COVID, the children need some leadership and guidance to get out of their cell phones and this tech world. There's no—they lost the personal touch. It's amazing, Dan. Oh, You—you yeah. you, you see, we walk into a classroom and you see children don't even know how to say hello. No. And it's not any—I mean, it's—it's just—it's phenomenal. They just—they don't even look up at you. They don't even look up at you. They don't even acknowledge your presence. You have to fight for it.
1: Yeah. I guess the, not their this uh, this podcasting thing is is probably going to be the last bastion uh, to where they, they can stay connected and actually talk to somebody and have a conversation for about an hour. Because people don't do yeah. this face to face anymore. Uh, pe- people are looking into their phones, looking at their screens, wandering yeah. off. Hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. Talk to me, yeah. you know. Uh, Impart yep. your knowledge to me. I get it. That,
0: that's exactly what I tell them. I I, t- I tell them. You know, they, they they walk in and they're on their phones, right? Just glued to them. They're texting. there and I said, okay, everybody. I said the school rules are you're not supposed to have your phones out. But I'm a sub, right? And I know you guys are going to push me. But I say, look. I said, here's the deal. You guys have been locked and brainwashed into this l- world of seclusion. And I said, you're. You know what? I just want to ask you all to please put your best friend away for 15, 20 minutes while we do some work or your new girlfriend, your new boyfriend. You know, and and then the funny thing is you didn't even use FaceTime. You just texted. You didn't even see their face. And and you guys built relationships with the screen, you know, and 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 they just go. They look at me. and Then I go, hey, how many of you just how many of you woke up this morning and decided to stick your head in your microwave? You should have. You know, have anybody tried that this morning? (laughs) And or, or would anybody stick their dog in there? And they'll look at me like, what the heck? he time I go. I go, well, then what, what? Well, the reason I'm asking is because you don't mind that you put this microwave up against your head all day long and you're zapping <laughs> yourself. So once you go get an extra Zolt, when they build one that you can stick your head and go zap yourself. I said, this is going to uh. hurt you. Said, These things weren't around when I was your age. Yeah. So 50 years from now, you guys are going to have brain damage or something. They're going to they're <laughs> see all the, you know, with all this. Satellites and all these telephones, and everybody and their uncle has a, you know, some wave going in the air. And now you stick it right up to your head, you know, right? And and, and, <laughs> and your eyes, right? You're burning your eyes, right? Oh, and so bummer. I'm like, sooner or later, you guys are going to go, oh man, what a bummer. I got. D- Forty,
1: you know. All right, Harsev. I think the the uh, science is, is probably out on that. You're like a stand up comedian. That was pretty pretty good. I, I'd like <laughs> you to be my sub. I, I think one of the uh, one of the, um, the lessons one day could be, hey, put your phone away and talk to that person next to you for about forty five minutes, and then uh, write me a little synopsis of what you talked about. Yeah, about that. You know, something yeah, yeah, mundane. Yeah, that's
0: a, oh, they, they're like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about? I have no clue. Talk uh, to
1: that guy. I'm going to text him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah that guy yeah. uh, you know in, in another part of the country all right let's let's back up and get back to the basics here you learned how to farm from your uh, grandfather and your dad uh, and what were you what were you farming there in live oaks
0: well when i grew up um, they started planting uh, peaches and we had uh, prunes were being planted and walnuts. That was those were the kind of the the orchard crops that started coming to replace the grapes. Um, and so the and, and the peaches we grew were the cling peaches, which are the kind that you find in all the cans and fruit cups and things. Uh, they're a great fresh eating peach, but they can they don't hold up in a store. You know they won't sit on the shelf like the fresh peaches. And um, but they're delicious fresh. They you eat them and they're picked ripe. So that's the other cool thing. They're ripe and they're canned. So and if you so and one reason. Expect a canned piece of fruit is the most nutritious <laughs> because it's picked ripe right to the last minute and then put you know put in a stable state. Um and so it, so I grew up with walnuts and peaches and prunes, uh and then we got in some kiwi, Has had a few almonds. Um the tractors were just starting to develop back then machinery was just coming out um i was probably the only six-year-old that had an actual huge life-size tractor as his toy you know it's this little toy truck <laughs>
1: no I, I just heard a story about john deere he's most famous for his tractors but he didn't live long enough to even see the tractor the the thing wow. that he invented was kind of like a, a sickle uh that helped you oh yeah uh, that, that was oh, the thing right. that he yes, invented yes. And then, and then, you know, it became the tractor company that it is today. But uh, yeah, that that was a great story. Uh, but all right, you're you. I've probably eaten some of the peaches that you farmed. Were you learning how to till the land, plant the seeds? Were you learning oh, from start we, to finish everything?
0: I, I, my 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 when I. Basically, as soon as I could walk, you know, I mean, I was because my family—I told them, my grand uncle, my grandfather, my father—and um, and there was just you know, school, not even school. So, so uh, my—I really cherished my my grand uncle. My he. He, would, he, was, he, was, my, he drove around, he had a pickup truck, and he would just take me with him all day. And So when I was tired, I'd just sleep on his lap while he's driving around an old, old Chevy truck. And then I would watch him, I'd watch him talk and see he'd learn Spanish, uh, because we had you know, Mexican people working with us at, mostly at the time. And I would listen and learn, i just listen, you know, i just pick it up and hear, try to figure out what they're talking about. And then he, I'd watch him go and irrigate the fields using shovels, a lot, it was a lot of heavy duty work, You know, hard, hard physical work back then. And, um, and so then he bought me my first little shovel, which had a, it was a smaller shovel than the full size. And then he started showing me the posture, the structure, you know, how to do it because it takes, you know, you just don't go out there and start shoveling dirt. You're going to hurt your, you know, just, it won't be successful. And, and then um, – and that was a big thing for – wow, I got my – and that was shovel was, meant a lot to me. And then my my grandfather, he didn't drive, but he was like the guy that ran around every orchard. He knew every tree. He knew the land like, my God, he could tell you to the nth degree what the the, the, the fall of the land was, you know. And and so he would – I would – he would show me how to shovel. Now, he would do the deep shovel because a lot of – you're doing a lot of mud and water and you're irrigating these big – like little lakes and moving into the next one. And sometimes the water breaks out and you have to block it back, make your own dam. And it's a lot of heavy in the middle of the night, you know, because once you start watering, you don't stop, right? And so, so you're working day and night for those periods there'll be a lot of hardcore stuff about how to really shovel. And then, um, but from my, my grand uncle, I just watched management, right? I saw his hard work, uh, but I watched the, his style. And then my grandfather was the hands-on guy. And then I used to follow him around all day long on a tractor, just watch him do stuff. And you make, cause you want to make these little furrows and things like that for the irrigation. And, and I, oh, I was the most irritating work I had to do. It was the most boring slow, And uh, cause I, it turned out I was like a daredevil. So I wanted things to go as fast as possible once I learned how to get my feet on the pedal, I could reach it. I put the gas on. And I just was, I was like a dare. I was like an evil Knievel guy. You know? And, you know, and so, uh, the fastest I could go. I just, I, that's what I wanted to do. And, um, and then my father taught me also the hard work, but he became also mechanically inclined. you know, working on tractors and, and he was a real mathematician. he, he man what a brain he could do it faster than the calculator anytime and so from him I learned all the technical aspects of all the like we had applications of pesticides and stuff that thank god we don't have to use anymore I was very involved in getting rid of hardcore pesticides when when I was in my teens in high school and college I worked I was one of the first former people to get rid of all the DDT level garbage um, and brought in biological controls took some risks but used natural biological controls which are now prevalent well, what um, what years then, were this lack.
1: when you, when you graduated? Uh,
0: well, actually I went to I, my, I went, I started out as an ag business major in college thinking, you know, ag and business. I, you know, both, Cause I wanted to, my, my goal was to expand our operation to, to the next level, right. From growing, we do a little processing, but then I wanted to package and have a label, you know, just kind of that kind of like, you know, the Newman, the uh, Paul Newman sauce, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and so, uh, but when I, But when I went to the colleges nearby, we have a lot of rice in our area tons of rice and that was the major crop before the orchards came out so most of the first i took some hardcore ag classes at front and so and they were all like all about row croppers and we didn't raise row crops and this, and it was like a lot of chemistry and soils and i took i got the fundamentals which was good i mean i learned about soil classes and, but i never hate i didn't like chemistry in high school right i mean it just it was the the, the lm ele- charts of ele- elemental chart but now you ask me on mr science right it's really funny but uh but uh so Um, And then I took horticulture. I took, I mean, I took, I learned enough to uh, how to produce plants and graze them and identify them and 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 the concepts of you know so things I could pull out and then I switched mainly to business management after about a year of that and so but I was but I was able to apply all those practices live on my family's farm which was unique because most kids going to college didn't have that opportunity to go home and work on their you know bring home what they learned every day so for me it was exciting because I could bring home stuff bookkeeping you know the plant material grafting uh, doing I did learned land surveying you know survey our own properties you know things of that nature which was which was really it was good right um, and then I but I, I watched farming the biggest disappointment of farming for me watching it in this type of orchard farming we call prime premium farming uh it's a cyclical, it's a, you know, a feast or famine situation. And I watched generations. And and then we had a big, we had a big migration of Punjabis to this area. And this is the largest original uh, settlement. So lots of Punjabis came. They're all buying land, all farming. And, um, but it was watching people's feast or famine. I watched my father, right. You know, he's educated all his children. Uh, Speaking of my sisters, the girls, he actually had my girl, my sisters go back to India and get private school educated. So they learned the language, they learned the culture they learned the music right right and then came back home and they were they weren't like just traditional indian but they were definitely cultured and and so so that for them that was their standard but i got to go to school here and when i went to high school it was like a it was a whole day it was a little different (laughs) i mean it was it was you know because i was i was a boy on my own with a bunch of other guys you know (laughs) but my sisters were still living at home and and you know they went out they had their freedom but it wasn't and there wasn't really there's lifestyle to be a crazy wild person, you know, like my, my day. Um, you know, we were just kids. We were having fun. What
1: Did, so, you, did you all end up in the, in the family business? Go no, the wrong no, way. In,
0: indirectly yes, but uh, my, my sisters, um, uh, my sister, my eldest sister, was the first Indian wedding in the United States, and it was like three thousand people attended from all over, all over. I've the done country, a few. I've England, done a few Indian weddings in
1: Miami. They're and, wonderful. And all the
0: dignitaries, yeah, uh, you know, the governor of California, and all, all these people, just everybody you can imagine. And um, so, my, my brother-in-law, my, my it, because of this arrangement marriage thing uh uh you can choose the the the, what kind of a career path you want of your for your daughter so my we my father wanted to get a doctor for you know having my daughter my my sister marry a doctor and i happened to go to india that trip with them i was like 10 12 13 years old and my sister wasn't in india my our family friends there found through a family through a family my brother now brother-in-law and he was practicing with the military he was in the military uh contract or some sorts as a doctor and so we met him and you know we all liked each other's you know the family and i'm just a kid you know a teenager and we had a picture of my sister right and showed him a picture of my sister and then we sent a picture somehow to my sister back in the states and then um they asked me what do you think i said i like him i think he'll be cool and my parents were okay and then my sister just trusted our judgment and literally my mom, my dad and I and my two family friends and we had the engagement party right there without her there. I mean, not the party, but the ceremony. And and a few months later, he comes to America. Boom, they're married, and they're they've been married for God knows ever since. You know. Um, so that and, worked out. Uh,
1: I mean, I've seen it in movies where there's arranged marriages, and generally they work out. Yeah, they, generally yeah, they no, do. This,
0: you have to go in, You have to go into it for the right reason. It's it's about it's about uh, a, we call life partners, and and and, and we you know. It, it, nowadays, nowadays, there's a lot of Western culture, even in India. I mean, you know, with the Internet and all the the sexy songs and, you know, all the whole nine yards, right? The, the, the Western world was full of, you know, sex and, you know, hot. But if you went to India in the old days, they didn't have all that stuff on free TV. And so um, – you know, getting divorced or playing around, or you know, it just it just wasn't in the in the thought process. It was you get married. I mean, unless you married a beast or something, right? right I mean, right, that right. can happen. But um, but in general, uh, marriage was that's it. You know, I mean, just, even it was like that here too, right? Well, but, yeah, but you're
1: you're culturally uh, yoked, you know, evenly yoked. Uh, you you yeah. you you're, you have the same similar goals. We want to build a family, build a life together. And this is our, this is our, our lease in life. And as long as you have yes, those absolutely. same goals, really almost any partner will do, uh, you know, as long as you're, yeah, you've got the yeah, same yeah, ideas yeah. and the same feelings. But okay, yeah. so did all of your sisters get, well, and
0: then my, my next sister in line, I have two elder and four younger and my next sister in line, we, I went to India with my father i was now a little a little older and we went around looking around i, I went out and had lunch or dinner with him the guy that won the one that we were and i came back to my parents i think i like this guy <laughs> and um i'm trying to remember now uh, it's really weird like i was i like i feel like i chose my sister's spouses you know yeah, like this it's is really like lightning weird. in a bottle man uh, trying to trying at that to... <laughs> young of an age you know i mean you know, and so uh and i'm trying to remember if my sister ended up coming to india and meeting him uh, but the decision was pretty much made prior to her you know coming and, and it wasn't forced it was you know it was trust it was family trust and my sister's we, so when we grew up we all had expectations of an arranged marriage and that's and because see we like i said we got stuck in the 1960s and yeah. so while well, india so when i used to go to india in the 70s and 90s to visit They were so far, like, ahead of us and doing, like, I go, wow, you guys, this is what happens now? You know, I mean, kids were starting to date a little bit and do things, and they were running around. And I go, wow, we're still stuck in the ancient age over here in in California. Wow. and uh, but now it's different. There's a whole new generation, a whole new population, and they're 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 doing the thing. You know, you got rap, you got songs. It, the whole culture is now it's universal. It's all universal. Oh, uh,
1: ruined, ruined it. Thousands yeah, of years yeah, yeah, of of, <laughs> of culture ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. No, but that's a beautiful thing that you're, you know, a matchmaker of sorts. And, and yes, yeah. there's, there is family yeah. trust. That's where I, that's what I glean from that story is your, there is trust in your family and there's tightness and there's close closeness and your, your father and your grandfather and your uncle teaching you everything that they know, putting all that knowledge into you. And then you still go into horticulture school, becoming even more of an asset to, to their, uh, to the family business, but, so, you know, go, going all the way in college to where you can even get a teaching certificate and have that as right. a fallback. That's fantastic. This is a, yeah. you know, this is telling me lots about you, Harsev, that you're, <laughs> you know, you, 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 that you not only go for it, you, you want to excel. You want to be the best at it. You know, you learn it, yeah. you learn a skill. I want to learn that 10,000 hours, you know, right. you know, learn that skill and become a guru. Then you yeah, can, in turn, that's really, teach the next a teacher, person. Yeah,
0: and I'd be taught. You know, and and uh, you know, I tell all the kids when I, when I teach, because they look at me, and they're like, and I say, look, guys, you're all, when you walk into my classroom, you're all, I don't care who you are, you're a genius as far as I'm concerned, and I'm honored to be amongst you right now. Yeah. And we go into that whole concept of computers and their brain and how smart they are, but they just got to apply it. And, and then I ask them a question. I said, you know, how does the smartest guy become the smartest guy in the world? Or girl. How, how, do they be, how do they become the smartest people? How does anybody become the smartest person in the world? And then they'll look at me like, oh, well, some give me some decent answers. I go, it's, it's those willing to ask the dumbest questions in the world. So they get all the answers. You know, so they keep getting answers. So that's how they become the smartest because they're not afraid to ask the questions. No matter how you dumb, dumb or insignificant you think it is. And, and that's how I was a learner. I asked. You know, what did you mean by that? What Because when I was first growing up, it was interesting because in the household, you know, we spoke English and Punjabi, but it was a lot of Punjabi. And then when I went to kindergarten, I had a beautiful kindergarten teacher. She actually, I got to give that woman credit. Uh, she did not have any color issue in any cultural. She took me under her wing. And I think she gave me a, a unique inspiration to feel comfortable as a quote unquote from a you know i didn't realize i was a foreigner family right i mean that kind of thing at the time but but it was different and she made me believe in myself somehow just in that little time frame of kindergarten and that's where i that's why i just said oh i can do it all i can do it the, you know, cause there were things like, I felt like they were celebrating Thanksgiving. They were celebrating Easter and they're all, you know, all these holidays. I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> you know, well, what what, the, what's the Turkey do? You know, what's, what's, and then, then those days they, they do the American Indian thing and cowboys, you know, and, and I'm like, what is that? You know? Yeah. And, and so, and she, she brought me right onto the door, like, oh no problem you know because I, I was i felt a little shy you know in those respects but then she brought me she took that out of me after that it was like sky's the limit buddy yeah her and, self,
1: uh, i think there was a book that i can't remember who wrote it it was uh, everything i learned i learned in you learn <laughs> well, you learn those what. skills I, how to get I, I along with teaching,
0: others i wrote my teaching uh certificate essay on her that that's that motivation because uh and she's still alive in fact i i've been meaning to go see her for two years and i haven't she just lives a town away
1: well now uh, you're going to go to you're going to go up. this next uh, within the next month you're going to be going to see your teacher man i think we got the nuts and bolts of of how you are the way you are and how you became the way you became but uh yeah i think you stopped planting peaches uh when did you start planting other crops <laughs> well you know uh, uh uh
0: you know an odd thing happened a few years ago uh they they they, they got their brain screwed on straight and we made up for the, the error, massive errors they made in the early 30s when they outlawed cannabis and made it the devil's weed. Uh, and they took away hemp way before them when they discovered oil because it was a competitor to all the potential plastic garbage we have now. Um, and because uh, hemp, you know, I mean, our de- Declaration of Independence was written on hemp paper. And our entire revolution of the United States was funded by hemp rope, Basically, all those ships, all those British ships, they had to have those big giant balls of rope to tie them off. We were we were mass producing that stuff here and selling it right back to them, and other products. And so, um, so when back in 2018, uh, just shortly after they actually legalized uh, cannabis in California, uh, then hemp became a, and that was more of a liquor store approach right uh, and I, I was in the cannabis business originally uh, with, with the teaching you know like a medical me- medicinal type of approach and then they legalized it and they made it so complicated it was just it, was, it became abusive it was just how do you do this business I mean every tax you can imagine every, you know the whole purpose of my spirit of doing business just just went away and then um, uh, and then hemp came on the on the, on the sites and hemp was going to become an agricultural product just like peaches. And so they when they finally legalized it as an actual agricultural crop. And so everybody and their uncle in this area decided, boy, we got to do this because the demand, the estimated demand was great. The potential, everybody was the numbers were just just dialing on the pages. Everybody and their uncle from New York, to, there were investors running around. And it's because it took tick took, took takes a lot of money to grow hemp or cannabis for that matter. Um, initial startup. And then the, it's just a high maintenance crop. And, um, so we started looking at the numbers, did everything, tried to get some in the ground, did some things. And all of a sudden within a year, everybody and their uncle, that decided to plant hemp. They just planted hemp. And then a lot of people got ripped off by faulty seed companies from all over the place. Just trying to, you know, the, just the, the corrupt people. And so we had this massive dump in the market of, of, Failure, crop failure. We had the price too much over. It was just overgrown, and the 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 cost of hemp just dropped to the floor. I mean, it was just so much hemp got wasted uh, because it just couldn't get sold or produced because the hemp had to go to extractors' labs to pull the oils out. And we were expecting the industry to grow. We needed those facilities nearby, manufacturing extraction labs, and we had all those people wanting to come here because we're prime growing area. But when it failed, everything stopped. And all the money, all, all the people that were surrounding us uh, dumped out, and so it actually hurt us pretty bad. Um, and my, my goal was to start growing it, start processing, start building a product line, and then go online, right That was you know, like, more or less that's the kind of the future as I see business and um, and so but unfortunately, the grow part just hurt just hit. The, hit the rock bottom miserably uh, for most of the growers, at least around here, and so so then I I had to figure out what am I going to do? You know now what? <laughs> you know it's not worth growing it. It's too much. You just you're going to lose your shirt, and then get someone to extract it. They're not doing. It's just as costly as costly, and the and then the extractor labs were, were filled up with excess inventory sitting there too, and so they were giving it away. So there was, there was a win no win situation. So then it, so then I decided okay. Uh, I should have started with e-commerce first.
1: (laughs) Well, before you go any further, I'm not afraid to ask the stupid questions. What's the difference between hemp and cannabis? Is it the same thing?
0: The fundamental difference is they're basically first cousins or brother and sister. Okay, so hemp in India, um, hemp or cannabis, whatever you want to call it, the word weed, it literally it's a weed. Um, so in California we have something called Johnson grass. I don't know if it's all you know throughout the United States, but the weeds we have here it's called Johnson grass. It grows everywhere. I mean that's the that's the the pain in the butt, right? So but if you go to India, the pain in the butt weed is weed. <laughs> it grows everywhere, and people have to you know they're chopping it down like God darn it, my crops getting ruined. You know, so it's like we're getting but our weeds here are useless. They're just, it's just there's no economic value unless they start making fiber out of it or something of that nature which we're looking into doing now uh because of some technologies but you know nobody really you could go out and mow a bunch of mountain fields with grass growing it i guess but so um but so so the original plant was camp cannabis it it was just wild and um it wasn't until people started in certain international uh, countries started propagating it and you know breeding it, but really it was the United States market that really took over and started breeding uh, basically hemp cannabis plants from seeds from all over the world. And, and by breeding them, they started increasing the THC levels. So, so everything up to THC in both plants, as far as the fundamental hemp plant, is literally an identical plant they have they all have cannabinoids they all have terpenes which are the aroma uh the same cannabinoids the same same molecular compounds and so the and so for the cannabis industry they 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 graft in the seeds and they do all this pollinating and they they basically create a plant with great percentages of thc right The, the psychoactive factor and tetrahydrocannabinol, and then for hemp they do the opposite so they breed it so that the cbd which is the big buzzword in the market mm-hmm. for for you know for the legal world they breed it for and for high percentage of cbd and they breed out as much as possible the thc and and that's just simple basic Propagating horticulture practices 101. And that's I mean that's how they make tomato seeds and all you know all these different varieties of any vegetable or when you go down to buy plants it's the same 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 concept. So so the hemp is just is now legal. That uh, it 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 meets a, a legal threshold of uh, less than 0.3 percent. THC. That's what that's what makes it hemp, and so you're, let, you're allowed to grow it. And any you know any farming commodity, process it. They still have some restrictions on how you, if they put in food or not. It's it's a weird it's a weird law. It's an agriculture farming product, but yet there's some interesting prohibitive natures to it. And so, but cannabis now, of course, you can't just grow it openly. That's still a controlled substance in that regard, but you can grow it legally at home in so many plants. And then in California, you can grow the heck out of it if you have the right permits and so forth, and commercially get it to a dispensary. And you know, the, 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 it's like, it's normal now. Um, so- well,
1: but, let's, but, let's stop, uh, so- harsef. What can you do and what do you do with your hemp? What, what, so so what we
0: what we do is i'm 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 associated with because of the the time i've been involved you know i've been associated with many great great formulators uh growers master growers uh, herbologists nutrition people people that have been doing it out of the nature of their heart you know right for that's their that's their thing you know they're they're just naturally good at it and um we have a particular one, a, one brand, uh, a very good dear friend of mine who I met about seven eight years ago, um, and that there's a brand that we we carry of her her brand called Dutch Farm. She's originally from the Netherlands, and she's a re- re- retired surgical nurse, and she migrated to the U.S. and she couldn't get her you know a job here of some sort or so whatever the issue was back then for in her field, but she went to work in the health area arena and she got a job with like a social worker and she did a lot of stuff. She worked very hard. I mean, her whole life to get to even that. I mean, she struggled, but she made it to a place. And so she actually ended up where she was caring for an entire Northern region of a uh, hospice, uh, uh quadriplegic sick people you know all just people that needed that hand right that just really on the bottom of the barrel from health and so and we happen to be in cannabis country to begin with i mean we're surrounded by the mountains so all the black market there's tons there's cannabis up here like like crazy, right? I mean, it's just we're in that we're in the zone, and so so she bought a place up in the mountains there, and and started growing these specialty uh, varieties, and she started extracting the oils in a very traditional, old-fashioned way, and 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 she 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 grew it. Um, and she and and she had specialty seeds. She went back to the Netherlands. This the, the the something something Queen Seed Company of the Netherlands gave her these special, special seeds from only from them. And um, and so then she would she has she'd have all these different varieties of, of strains in bottles. Not just, you know, like if you go to the store today, if you'll just buy C B D, it's just oil with something. Oil, it's, it there's no strains, it's just they just—it's just the pure oil, and then they add stuff to it to say help you sleep and do this. But what she did was she took different strains. And there's there's a, there's two families in hemp and cannabis. One we call it indica, yeah, and then there's other one is sativa. So indica is more loaded with the relaxing factors. of of the cannabinoids and sativa has a little less of the relaxing factor and a little more of the active factors that's the traditional sense now if you're add or something of that nature it might it works the opposite sometimes but for the most part so so most of the cannabis that we got back in the day from colombia mexico was super loaded with cannabinoids like cbd and in those days people would get uh, couch lock, you know, as we called it, where they'd get high and just be all hungry and just really laid back. But now that they've breeded these things so well, they have breeded that 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 couch lock version of it kind of out and so now you have these really well balanced um, uh, molecular compound structures and so so you can get up but most stuff today is a hybrid all the original you know the original 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 is is it's really hard to find it unless you know the guy who has his, his private stock you know who did it 35 years ago right so for the most part everything's in the middle of the road but people will still call it it's, well, it's this dominant or it's sativa dominant, but it's a hybrid or it's an it's, uh, in indica dominant, but it's a hybrid. And so, but anyhow, so she was one of the oldest extractors of oils, in, I think, in the marketplace in, in, in the United States. Um, and she started having great results. I mean, great results, patients, you know, quadriplegics, their hands opening, their appetite increasing, their eyes lighting up, people especially dying of cancer. And in those days, people were dying of AIDS before they knew it right they were really so su- she was helping people get through the suffering with cannabis-based tinctures but if you test the way she extracted if you tested it in a lab it would show zero thc and just uh, the way she extracted it it's it, it just it's unique although it's the whole and she did the whole plant and so the oils you get in the marketplace They'll take the whole oil, and if it's say, if it's hemp, there's going to be some THC. But if it's legal limits, you get to process it. So when they take it to these extraction plants, um, it's like they d- distill it, or there's different ways to do it. And so they'll 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 separate. They'll take the lipids or the fats, because when when you take the oil out, it's very rich, thick, like honey, really super thick. You know, like crude. They call it crude oil, <laughs> literally, okay. and. It's it's golden, crude, dark, dark, dark green because it's the chlorophylls in there. You got everything's concentrated now, and so then they they separate the chlorophyll, they separate the lipids, and then if it's a if they want, they can separate take the THC completely out. So that's what they call THC-free products, or they can leave it in legal limits, and they call that full spectrum. So so then now you have a beautiful golden honey, uh, and then but then they have to mix that with either uh, a micro um, Uh, micro fractionalized coconut oil which is just very it's good for you it's mct they call it but it's actually good for your body Um, and they'll blend it with that to make it liquidy so that's what so you can pour it and do things with it and then the other traditional which judith my friend judith uh, from dutch farms she uses a very high grade vegetable glycerin which is a step above that and it's and it's also good for your body and there's no uh, hypoglycemic effect so it's sweet but If you're diabetic, it's not sugar. It doesn't convert. And the the other oil, MCT, the coconut oil, diabetics have to be careful. They don't see that's That's where people don't. That's where the education process comes in. That's what we do different. We're actually clinical based. So we are actually medicinal consultants, healers. We're not trying to sell a bunch of oil on the market. We want people to heal. So we explain to people and we ask those questions. You know, if you're diabetic, you don't want to take this product. You want to take this product. And a lot of that we learned on the on the frill. People telling us, oh, my God, I bought this other product. My sugar went up to the sky, and then I – it wasn't that – with your your tinctures and then i switch back to yours and my sugar's normal so so these things we learned over the she's been she was been in business i think it's her 12th year and i think the only older person that was making oil prior to this that made this this whole cbd thing really significant was a guy named rick simpson and he was based out of that colorado region area and um he is, and they called it rso rick simpson oil so he basically extracted uh cannabis oil and and then Um, Which was loaded with everything, cannabis and the the whole nine yards, right? And so, uh, and he was giving it to people medicinally, and it was working. I mean, it it does work. I mean, whether it's cannabis or hemp, uh, a lot of our physicians who use our products, they feel that the THC has to be in the product for to be the actual greatest medicinal value. We believe that too. You you have to because it's part of the natural plant. So if you take something out of it, you've sort of changed its molecular capability a bit. And so, and there's a lot of science being developed about that now. And there's research and studies and it's been going on for years, but that's our personal experience of you know thousands of customers over the time. Right. No, and I was so, just thinking that uh,
1: science is amazing. Now, all these people yeah, that you mentioned, they're all working with you at the hemp guru LLC. Yeah. yeah
0: now, well, Rick, Rick is, uh, Rick is probably very retired now <laughs> uh, because he was an adult when I was a kid. Right. But he, he's the guy that, um, I can't think of the baby's name. I, I'm not going to say Jessica. It's not Jessica, that's I think another Jessica thing, but there was a baby something, it's on the internet, it's on YouTube, Um, babies, there are babies born with seizure uh, dysfunction, I mean newborn babies having three to five hundred seizures a day, Hmm. and let me tell you, a seizure is mind blowing.
1: literally because it's in your mind they break
0: your brain they break your body the stress it kills you you have to have like a shot of pain medication if you have a full body seizure and you can imagine an infant going through 300 seizures a day or 500 and the parents having a the kid's not going to make it they just they're going to break they're going to break you know by age three four five they're going to die so rick you know his theory and also we have a lot of ancient history on this planet it's you know it's this has been around forever right from the well from the day one, right? I mean, yeah. um, it was growing so,
1: like weeds in Punjab. Yeah,
0: and it grows like weed. and, and you know, and, and so, and we'll talk. Uh, there, even there's biblical notes. Uh, when I was trying to fight for legalization, people, I said, "Is there anything in the Bible? Anything I can find?" You know, and because uh, in, in this world, the Bible rules in the Western world, right? Then they don't the Eastern culture. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, you Indians are you know, uh, are Chinese, you know, you know, like hey, we 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 do this stuff. We've known it for a long time. I say and Solomon. You Solomon tried every. Uh,
1: Solomon tried everything. Everything. Yeah. He, he yeah, went around yeah, the world. Yeah. He did everything. So, and,
0: and, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, but he was able to get to this baby and give her drops of this oil. And the seizures literally started decreasing down to like nominal, nominal. And this child now is an adult. <sighs> and, and now are now there, and there's, and, and when it was illegal in States, parents would relocate to Colorado to get their babies healed. I mean, this is, this is how terrible medicine that works. But no, no, it has to be a pharmaceutical that doesn't work, and and so so and it was against the law. I mean, God, if you brought a little oil back to, to, to give to your baby, and you got caught by the cops by it, oh. you'd go to jail. Yeah, you know, I mean, for a little bit, you know. And so, but so now, so Rick started the concept of the medicinal, and then this sort of. Uh, somebody kind of got the CBD thing. I I don't know exactly well, who really. L- let
1: me get a timeline on that because when did that happen? Because that was before 2018 when you oh, got yeah you yeah because yeah, like
0: well, like my friend Judith right yeah so she was doing it. 12 thirteen years ago and but she was and, and she but see she did it from the holistic perspective of the whole plant we know there were cannabinoids we know there was cannabidiol cannabisural, cannabinol. and you know there, there's a hundred plus of them out there and THCs cannabinoid and so so she knew what she was doing because she she grew up and she was an herbalist and nature naturalist from day from childhood yeah. so so that's why she did what she did and she and her product works better than any product that i can find because people keep going i don't and and and, and you, there's nothing on the bottle that says this much cbd and this much this it just says uh the very beautiful brand you know or you know or you know You know, euphoria, it's a plant, it's the actual name of the plant, you know, euphoria. And, or it's that plant, or it's ACDC, or, and you go try which one and see which one, you know, works with your chemistry. And so, versus most of the other oils, when you go down and go to this shop, you're just getting the pure oil that it can come from a million plants. You know, and hopefully you have to make sure you go to, you, you work with a facility that deals with tested, certified, organic, high standards, you know, and that's, that's the person you work with. And it took me a while. We had to source those people out too. And so, as I said, we don't have extractors in California and that's the un- unfortunate part. And oh. we're not really growing that much of it in this area right now because of the, the economic change. And so, so um, a lot of people are just relying on these other areas, which are massively growing it like, like rice, just and they're growing it just like weeds and they're harvesting it that way. But in California, we're a cannabis state, so they're they like to boutique it. So everyone's got these really, you know, cool plants and they got to have the big flowers. And of course, it, it's all beneficial because it, it's more potent and and so you're getting higher higher percentages of all the value of the plant. But it's just a different attitude towards it, uh, you know, we don't treat it like corn. And so although there are groups here now that they're raising, they're actually going to be, uh, they've created successfully grain, hemp grain. So we might be replacing rice, the starchy stuff that turns to sugar. Um, and and we're, and we have another tech, another business associate that we can take all the waste material. Like you don't know what to do with all the stems and all the, the trunks because hemp is so hard. You can't even, you can't, it's very hard to mulch it down or burn it. It just takes forever anymore so so uh there's well, another bird general build, has a technology you build
1: something with these with hemp yeah oh yeah well there's technology
0: that exists right now and that you can actually and you uh we call it uh uh plastic mold injection is how they make all these styrofoam cups and, and all these mcdonald's you know to go clamshells and the forks and the straws and i mean all that throwaway one-time use uh, uh restaurant industry stuff okay so um we can make any of that now with all the waste material of the hemp, all the stalks. We have this thing called an extruder. So instead of putting plastic pellets in now in the whole line, we now put – we, we replaced two parts, and now we can take the hemp plants or any kind of vegetable, any vegetable waste, and – and and convert it into starch. We we do something to it and it converts to starch, and we run it right through the same machine, and voila, we have stronger, better biodegradable plastic, and and you can and you can make. Car parts. You can make tennis rackets, golf clubs. You can, uh, you know, because you can make it as strong or as weak as you want. You can make it biodegrade uh, if it's a cup, you know, like a one-time cup from McDonald's. uh Well, first of all, it's a happy meal. <laughs> um I don't, I don't recommend McDonald's, but uh if it's a happy meal, it's a, the best ex- dumb example I can think of. Yeah, you'll be drinking uh,
1: out of that glass and getting a really so happy meal. you got, meal. This whole, you
0: got this whole hemp bag, hemp cup, <laughs> hemp container. You know, everything's hemp. And you eat your hamburger. Eat your little. You know, you have your toy. It's made out of hemp also plastic and so and then if you want you're still hungry and you go mommy i want a little dessert well we're gonna we can flavor the cup strawberry and you can just eat the cup
1: it's a really happy and meal the toy. <laughs> you
0: can eat the bag and the toy and the cup everything you just eat it
1: science is amazing you now you a talked a little bit you
0: know chocolate flavored one and you know, <laughs> strawberry flavored one or but if you do throw it out the window it will decompose in yes. the dirt yes and and so to, like they can put a life on tennis rackets because well, everybody throws a racket after five years well you can you can you can make it decompose. You know they can throw it in their in their yard and just it'll decompose. Maybe even probably even the plastic strings, everything. Uh. And this is the technology we have it in our hands. It's been around for 20, 30 years. Just it, there's too much competition with the plastic folks.
1: Harith, you've you've talked a little bit about THC and my limited amount of knowledge on this uh, uh, on you know, uh, cannabis. I mean, my, my mom's a child of the sixties. She's been on the podcast. She said, I learned way too many things about what my mom did before I was born. And maybe even when I was young, you know, (laughs) and that's, that's been on this podcast, but I never had the urge or the desire to, to smoke weed or, or, you know, but I, I like the smell of it. I like, you know, the, you know, when, you know, had the smell, the contact high, and, and I think when I'm an old man I'll probably be, be one of those guys those old guys sitting on the porch you know ha- having a smoke and maybe using some CBD uh, for certain you know uh, ailments joints and what have you. now from what I've heard, sure, sure, some of the sure. old-timers THC it, it's getting higher and higher and higher they they can't get uh, uh, they can't get that that indigo buzz anymore it's all sativa it's all real high with a lot of THC is that what's going on?
0: Well, well, here, well, here's here's our perspective. Um, uh, you know, fortunately, it's impossible to OD on cannabis. It's it's just physically, physiologically impossible. It can't happen. And so, versus alcohol. You know, heroin. Uh, you'll put yourself to sleep, and you'll stop breathing, and you'll die. You know, that's basically an OD. You've over, you've over, overdone it, and it affects the uh, in the brain the, the the motor functions, and it makes you stop breathing. That's what an OD is. You just stop breathing. This it doesn't affect that breathing mechanism, so you'll fall asleep and eat maybe two pies before you go to bed, but but that's about it. But but the the what I what in my experience and most of my friends the there, people are rebelling on the, you know, the higher the THC percent. So, so 12, 10, 12% was, you know, kind of really good for a while. And then it went up to 18. Then it went to 20, 25. Some people claim 30, 35. Um, I, I don't, when you start hitting those numbers, 30, 35, it's very rare. It's not common. Um, because that's somebody that really worked at it. You know, they really worked at it and they're not going to be able to give that plant in abundance to everybody to grow. And so, but the thing is, there's a sacrifice to it too. And because it, you're like vitamin C, right? You could take, uh, the average person should probably take about 2,000 milligrams for normal intake, uh, maybe eight or 10,000 in a day if you're sick or fighting, if you're worried about COVID or something like that. But for the most part, a couple thousand milligrams of vitamin C in a day are about your, your body's physical ability to process it. And then otherwise, you have yellow pee in the snow right i mean your you're, you're, your body will just dump it yeah. right so it, it just it's going to use what it can and thc and cannabis and cannabinoids work the same way your body will so you could take a hit of 10 percent thc and get a pretty if it's good quality and and you're going to get maybe two to three hits of that and then maybe you take a 25 percenter um and you're and you can take four tokes of that 25 percenter but you're not going to get more and more and more and more stone you know it's it'll be like you'll be you'll tap out uh-huh. and and so so you'll be high or feeling the your, what level you want to be at and, and you would still get the kick i mean it, that first five minute kick like if you know i i mean i've been around the business since I was a teenager, so I mean, I mean, um, so and you have it, and it's it's not even like people say you build up a tolerance for it. It's not really a tolerance; you just understand how it works, and and so um, you know, it. it, it so even at the higher the percentage, well, it, okay even if you took a big old toke, uh, you can only process so many milligrams. Your body will only, pro- and, and it's it's your nature. It's yours and mine are different, right? Yeah. And some people do think they get, some people are just, they go, wow, I'm just so high. They get, they feel dizzy. and Or sometimes the sativa will get their heart racing and they shouldn't smoke sativa, right? Or, okay. or they shouldn't take it. Um, so it does, it's not that it's detrimental, but some people will have that kind of an experience where they get really nervous and that's that sativa. But... Um, But in all reality, uh, it's like, you know, like wine or or anything else. If you're going to do this, if you're going to do it, educate yourself a little bit. Go to a good person, a good bud tender place or, you know, some place that's going to spend a little time with you or a company like mine. You know, uh, the way we explain things to people and and give you like kind of like a little menu of selection. You know, hey. If it's a weekend, you know, and you're out there fishing and, you know, you you want a little relaxation, okay, well, then da-da-da-da-da, right? You know, use these types. Now, if you're, hey, if you're going to work or, you know, you're staying busy but your back hurts and, you know, you're just, you know, you're under stress, well, then here, you need this little, this stuff here that will help you keep you busy. And you'll get, because sometimes what happens, if you make a mistake at 10 o'clock and and choose the wrong, uh, (laughs) if you smoke a sativa, um, you'll end up cleaning your whole garage for three hours and not realize it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay all right That's, well do yeah, you, it's
0: really funny because it's not like it used to be where people go i'm just so stoned i'm just zoned out you know it doesn't work that way you gotta be you gotta choose your medicine at the right moment
1: well your your website hemp dot com is jam-packed full of information about who you are do you actually have, do you have a store or strictly
0: you- um e-commerce uh you know we we feel it's it's uh uh if we were to do a store type of thing we might do like a personal delivery type of effect approach uh just because of what's going on with all this oh yeah t- just everything just so much going on right now it's and, uh, and a storefront and it, it kind of it also limits us uh Absolutely. So, but we'll do we'll do one-on-one you know i'll do sessions o- online I'll you know like doctors are doing telemed Right, we'll do tell us CBD. Oh, so to for speak. sure. Uh, I, I don't uh,
1: blame you for not having a, 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 a hanging out a shingle for sure. Uh, you know because everything is going online. You know you're going yeah, yeah. it, to be getting everything delivered to your door. It's, it's a
0: good medium. Um, although you know, from our other side of our, you know, we we got the hemp and all that goodness. We also have some very very serious clinical uh, side of an- another company that we have. That's basically they're they're joined by the hip, mm-hmm. but. Uh, um, but the other company is more very designed for the clinical market, although it's, it's an over the counter natural solution, but it's very cardiovascular oriented.
1: Tell me and, more.
0: and, um, so it complements, uh, w- without that, um, what, what we're doing is we have a, there's the newest tech, the newest information, which is about 20 years old now is, um, they discovered that a cell in the, in your arteries, uh, Called, it's a, a, a molecule called nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is the fu- fundamentally the most important molecule in your body to make sure that all the blood circulation is flowing, it's circulating, and it has to be there because it's, the, it's what we call a signaling cell. So your body has all sorts of cells, and CBD is a signaling cell. So it, it, the recept, it, the, the, well, there's receptors in the body for CBD. Okay? You have two receptors in the body, and they discovered something called the endocannabinoid system in the 90s they didn't know we had one they all they, they, we all called it immune system but now we know we have an actual endocannabinoid system it produces two cannabinoids and and um so one's an- anandamine, and the other one's we know it's 2AG and your body produces those and then every single cell in your body millions of cells are they have these little receptors attached to them and so and the cannabinoids are designed to go in there to create homeostasis balance so all disease all disease is when something goes out of balance. You know, you get injured, you're overdoing drinking, you're overdoing drugs, you're overdoing medications, you know, whatever, genetics, whatever, to, you live in a polluted area, you know, your respiratory is bad. So every, so disease or, or, in, or you know sickness is when one area, one organ starts to dysfunction. And now, so if you can imagine, uh, do you remember as, maybe as a kid, the children have those mobiles in their, in their bedrooms? The stars hanging, oh, and they yeah. kind of there's like about ten or twenty stars, and they're all balanced, and mm-hmm. they kind of with a little bit of breeze, that, or like a wind chime, right? With all the tubes hanging uh-huh. or the glass pieces, and if they're balanced, they 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 work. But as soon as you tip it one way, or if the whole thing gets messed up, right? So a wind chime is designed so if it blows in the wind, is balanced, you get this harmonic, beautiful tone. Which is also part of healing, right? Tones are healing, and so and and so the mobile, which is uh, one of the best ex- explanations I've understood, yeah. is when once something goes bad, your body goes, "Hey, that guy's—he's not feeling well." Sends a bunch of CBD to that spot, and it goes right into the nucleus of the cell. We're talking at the cellular level,
1: and we're producing and this, some of that ourselves.
0: Yes, we. And but as we Fantastic. age, as we age aging is basically you start producing less of those key factors for example we produce nitric oxide age 40 basically when you turn, start turning 40 that's when these things start your body produces less right and then in the western world we grew up in mcdonald's uh, burger king Seven Eleven. 7-eleven everything's fast food everything's packaged everything's got preservatives everything's i mean just Terrible Pepsi Cola, you know, I mean, all this, everything, sugar, salt, you know, all those super duper snacks and crackers and, you know, the zesty ones are full of sodium. And so... And then we don't get enough exercise. And then we drink a lot of beer and, you know, uh, margaritas and, and cigarettes. And um, and then there's pollution. And then there's just the stresses of life. And then there's emotional stress, physical stress, happy stress, sad stress. All of these impact your – you can imagine your body is running around. It's like if you had to put alarms in your body and put microphones on them, you would think it was World War III outside your body. Wow. Because your body is under constant attack. Anything that goes in your body has got somebody bad in it. And so your body is constantly battling to keep you alive, just constantly. And so and you don't know what you're breathing in the air. The carpet in your house, the chairs, they're all sloughing off petroleum, right? They're sloughing off plastic. Anything that's made of plastic, it's evaporating. That's why you have to get a new one that wears out. Or the tires on the road, where does all that carbon go when the tires wear out? It it, it doesn't just disappear. It's in the air. Right. And so, and you're driving in traffic with your windows down. Guess what you're breathing? You know, I mean, so uh, and, and the worst thing we did was all these masks during COVID. You're breathing in carbon dioxide, putting it right down the oxygen tube, which is the worst thing you could do. Right. So that wasn't the best solution at the end. You know, it wasn't that's not a good long term solution at all because you're hurting yourself. You're poisoning yourself with this stupid mass that they have out there. <laughs> and so. Um, I mean that's stupid, but I mean the, the way they function. No, no, so, I think that there's some
1: science to that. There, there, there definitely is some some study to that. Yeah,
0: yeah, you no. Know, Long term, if they did that forever, the kids would um, there'd be brain stuff. And so, <laughs> so there's all these different things attacking us. And so the, the the cannabinoid. So now, so as you get older, so now we and we've always known. Just people have used cannabinoids forever, so because they knew that plant had medicinal, topical, and digestional ba- based benefit. Wow. And so, so what happens is, you know, if you're lucky, you started supplementing when you were a child. It's because it's like a fountain of youth. If yeah. people are looking for the fountain of youth, I, well, I've coined what we do is we have, we we're, we're, we create the fountain of health. And so that's my, that's my take on it. So we, we try to partner and bring in, people that are like-minded, who have already done the homework, right? So I don't have to invent every product or, you know, start from scratch. So they have their science team. We all get along. We're thinking the same, and we're spiritually connected. And we do everything with the great spirit in mind of healing, with love, um, uh, prayer, not to necessarily any God per se, but but spiritually speaking of goodness, right? And so, and, and when we talk to people, we talk with compassion, and we want them to heal. And if they don't, well, we... My friend Judith has never had a single, nor I, with her Dutch Farms products, not one person has ever turned a product back. Never.
1: In 12 years. That's a good track record right there. It sounds like you I mean, have a you know, very open. Said, it
0: not work for me. I hate your stuff. You know? <laughs> Nothing. In fact, they go to the other, they go to other products which are advertised on TV or, you know, they spend all this marketing dollar. Oh, it sounds, I need that. And it's all half garbage or just not really what they thought it was. And they go back to our product and they go, wow, I feel much better. And it's because it's more holistic. Yeah. And it's the whole plant. And then we, and the, now we're not against the oils. So, so when you have this, what they, so there's, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding about CBD, um, CBD by itself. They, in the beginning, people thought CBD. So they would extract the, skillet out and they just put B into a bottle and pure CBD without everything else. It's like eating just the icing and no cake or a cake and no icing, you know?
1: Okay. You know what I mean. All right. That's they, a good they, analogy. They,
0: right. So yeah, it tastes sweet, but. You know, it didn't do the whole thing, right? Yeah. So so CBD by itself is not a good solution in our experience, okay? And clinically, now, everybody now, so when they extract the fats and the chlorophyll and, and um, uh, to make the oil for the gener- general oil business, then um, uh, they're leaving in all the key elements, right? So I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, oh, but, no problem. But, uh, but anyhow, uh, so Oh, when they take those things out and they take out the THC or leave it in, now we call that a full spectrum. So when they've taken something out, then they use the term full spectrum versus whole plant. Now, I think our company is one of the only companies who actually says we do whole plant uh tinctures and products. I I just started doing that because I realized that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. And this and because I, I it's really hard for us to say we sell CBD because it's really not the truth for what we do. We sell a plant the oil we call we call it hemp oil products. Sure. That's what we call we, that's really our and it's but it's going to take us time because the, everybody in the world goes, "Do you got CBD?" And then when they do make CBD products, uh these guys are just trying to make a fast buck. They'll They'll put on the bottle one thousand milligrams on the bottle. They'll put five thousand milligrams on the bottle. They'll put you know ten thousand milli. And people go, "Oh my God, that's I gotta have the most CBD. That's the best product." And there, there's no value. There's no value. But they're and they're buying a product that's really not. You don't even know where it came from. You don't know whose it is. You know, it's just it's like a product in the store shelf, right? You know, oh, I'll try this uh, energy drink. You don't know, how many energy drinks are there, right? You don't know which ones what what they put in it. So, so with us in like Dutch Farms tinctures, we can't even measure it. We don't even tell them how much CBD is in there. That's the, and but I say you got to try it. But I said, listen. But I do have a product that has a plant that has higher CBD, and because they extracted it the way they did, we can measure that. We can tell you that there's 30 milligrams per dose or and so most human beings we recommend between 30 to 90 milligrams in a day depending on excuse me on your condition if you're and most people that are using CBD or traditionally right now are people 40 and plus because most of us are broken in one way or another because of the American lifestyle Mm. and so and they think they're buying CBD, and it's just because it was marketed wrong. And so what they really want is the whole plant, and they want the benefit. And then – so then I have them supplement with some other pro- – because there's not – like I said, I can't buy a bunch of whole CBD plant uh, – whole hemp plant products, so I have to use these other products. So, And also, one of my uh, associates, we've also now taken it even the next step – so – Most stuff, if it's internal, it has to go through your digestion. So the tinctures, you put them under – they're sublingual. So you put them under your tongue and you swish it around for a little bit. And you can feel the little rush in your head immediately, and -hmm. then you swallow it down. But if it's edible or something you eat, it's going to take about 45 minutes to an hour to go through your digestive process, break down to its molecular, finite molecules, and then get spread throughout your your bloodstream and start acting on the bad guys in your body. So now uh, there's associates we met about a year ago. Who have taken nano technology and made nano the delivery system. So so now it's super fine. It's attached to a super fine nano size. Nano means like you know, invisible basically, yeah, right? Nano Yeah. So so now you take the oil. And they had to formulate this very well done, but really top notch formulators, and they formulated the the hemp oil that full spectrum without the fat, without the the, the chlorophyll, and they blended it with this nano solution, and it's also now water soluble because hemp oil is not water soluble traditionally, so this is water soluble. So now you can take this one product we have called Waves like with coconut lime or dragon fruit or lemonade and you shake the bottle and it's a super duper highly concentrated cbd it's 10 milligrams a shot and you squirt it in your water and you have a spritzer or you put it in your 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 favorite cocktail or you put in your favorite juice drink it doesn't matter whatever flavor it is you put a squirt and you have an instant cbd drink and if you want a double shot you make a double shot so, so these, and then, and, and so these are different ways. So yeah, people, and these days people carry around those water jugs, like religiously, you know, all day long. So I tell people, stick a couple squirts in there. If you you know, if you have these back aches and just, you know, you're little, you get tired, you know, and just drink that as you need it all day and get your dosage and you'll, you'll, you'll feel better. You know, you'll feel your day will go by better. And, um, and then we have the – so so we have the original tinctures. I say you got to do that as a baseline. And then um, if you want to beef it up, there's also what we call soft gels, which are the same product, but not – we also have nano in that – we have nano gel caps, but we also have traditional gel caps. And so it just dep- – people – you know, everybody's a little different. So the nano might work really well for someone, maybe not as effective as the other. Um, and so – and so you, I, so we have people supplement if 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 they're if they're, if they're, if are trying to treat something chronic or some you know some bad feeling, or, or they have cancer. Now, if you have cancer, we tell people keep stepping it up until you know you're feeling better, you have your appetite. So you could be taking maybe 200 milligrams, or you know, it's hard, it just it's that person's chemistry. So in my, my, and I, 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 like I said, I grew up on tractors and I was the evil Knievel. I mean, if, if you could get bounced around, practically break your back, get thrown off a piece of equipment, motorcycle accidents, cars, you name it, whatever, if it had, I was driving as, as rough as roads and jumping, I was, you know, just, I've had some crashes, burns, and only one broken bone amazingly. Uh, but so and needless to say, as I got hitting my late fifties, man. Oh my God. You know, just everything started hurting. And so, but you can't just do it with this alone. So, you know, you have to do exercise. You have to understand. We also, we also do body mechanics. I have another associate beyond just the hemp stuff. We also bring in the physical side of it to teach you how to manipulate your bones and your muscle, your structure, your posture. So we're getting the entire body tuned up with the right source inside. So we're giving you the molecular compounds. You have to tell your body how to work and get it back to posture so you're not sloughing, your neck stops hurting, your back stops hurting, your knee stops hurting, you know, and and these are simple exercises of just getting you back grounded to earth. And, and once you're grounded into earth properly and you have the right tools you're putting in your body like our nitric oxide supplement it's actually it it's the same thing as like beet roots and potassium nitrates same as spinach you can eat a plateful of spinach or bok choy five or seven ounces of spinach will give you a full dose of nitric oxide uh, What's called dietary nitrates and you chew it hit your saliva it turns into nitrite and it goes to your stomach it turns into nitric oxide and that flows through every cell in your body and if you have that in your body you are healing and you combine that and that's what makes then you take this the cbd stuff it just empowers it right so it's a it's a match made in he, in the great glory of somewhere
1: <laughs> but Harse. so Yeah. It, man you're so it's, full of knowledge, I could tell that we could go forever and ever. Uh, but I like to be <laughs> mindful of people's time. Uh, you know, now if they if if uh, people need a consultation, they can go to hemp, uh, hempguru LLC dot com and right, yeah, you can, will yeah, consult yeah. with them and you will yep. get them on on a treatment that that Absolutely. that will be structured just for them.
0: Absolutely, we we'll, we we'll, we we literally can prevent them from having. A heart, oak. we'll get their entire cardiovascular system in check. We'll get their inflammation, and then with their immune system, with the with all the cannabinoids, it, they're just it's just a knockout combination. And we're also that's not where it ends, right? We mm-hmm. have other things coming in the pipeline, and and so so there's also nutrients you have to put in your body to get carried, oh, and yeah. that's the thing. So we're looking for the other nutrients too that we feel are comfortable and complimentary so you come to us it's not just for hemp or cannabis it's yeah. it's about I want to feel better and I want to make sure I and we 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 don't overcharge people you know we it's all about helping get it out there and a fair return and and we make we if someone says i don't have this much money we just make it we make it happen you know
1: well you've already said it your community is very open source uh, you 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 get along there's a a big community that you've been working with all these uh scientists yep. i have to call them that have been doing this uh since the 80s you had one that said she was helping out with aids back way back when and and uh, that you know th- yeah. that in itself is, is says that she's been doing this quite a long, long time, and you've been doing oh, it a yeah. long and time and as she's well. She's good
0: at it. Yeah. She's good at it. And the people we're being surrounded. You know, my business partner, uh, he's my real science background guy. I mean, he's that's where his background is, yeah. and he's the one that's connected yeah. us with uh, world class uh, our, our our nitric oxide products and that that side of our business is tied to Nobel Prize laureates wow. in the '90s. Wow. Yeah. That's, we're, we're taking the Nobel Prize. They discovered the nitric oxide cell in the 1990s as what they call a signaling cell, the commander in chief. So without it, you can put all this stuff in your body and they go, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and this, the, that nitric oxide cell is so critical to, to men and women. It's, 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 and what happened without it? Cardiovascular disease. Your immune system goes debunked out. Then you, your cannabinoid system is down. I mean, the whole everything, and you start breaking down. And you, and you, unfortunately, you you, you grow old prematurely. Mm-hmm
1: yeah I and don't want this to be the last time that we talk Harsev as things progress as you uh, as newer information comes through I, I give you an open invitation to come back here and chit chat oh. with me and and uh, and impart that knowledge that that good good knowledge that's so important knowledge uh, that's mm-hmm. helping save lives really and and not yeah. just save lives but also making the quality of life uh, oh absolutely
0: better. that yeah at this point it's really at this point it's about improving people's quality of life because I can't tell you how, especially seniors walk oh, yeah. in with 10 Prescription bottles oh. broken, you know, needing help, their own budgets, right? Social Security is not helping. And then now we have inflation, all this stuff going on. Oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's hard, it's very emotional. You know, when you wanted, you know, you got, you got solutions for them. You know, you just, it's hard to stop. It really is. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> Harsev, let's wind this edition down, uh, give some shout outs to people that, uh, that, uh, you need to give to that, that people that have helped you along the way. You've already shouted out quite a few people and then we'll, uh, yeah, I, give, uh give some last I, words uh, to people. I wanted to
0: really say thank you to my dear friends at Cost Marketing, uh, Katrina there, the chief in charge there, Cost Marketing, uh, they've been instrumental, Uh, what a team. Um, you know, I've been operating on a, on a slide budget, you know, uh, but they, these, this, I I mean, I have a full department, a tech department, a graphic department, and really the cost that it's cost me is nominal, uh, you know, in terms of what I'm receiving. Johnny on the spot, let's put it this way. I think she's my boss. (laughs) She's, She's on top of me so much about, you know, I mean, like Johnny on the spot. Did you do this? Did you do that? You know, and we have meetings like clockwork and she's so organized and I've learned so many skills about social media. She's forced me to get in there, dig in understand it because I have to, right? But I took her on because I was so overwhelmed, but they do a fantastic job. I said, here, handle this for me. I gave them some information I could do, but the the, the work they're doing for me, the exposure on Facebook, Instagram, it's just, it. oh, it's just, it's really beautiful. It's just beautiful stuff. And it represents what we're trying to do, right? It shows quality. It shows knowledge. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, um, I'm, I just, I, I look forward to my calls with them yeah. and everybody communicates with you right they're all emailing you and all this and um and they know you know exactly what's going on as soon as it's done and you know they get your approval and uh you know very professional i mean i would recommend these folks uh without any hesitation
1: at all oh i've built up an appreciation for katrina Te- texador and her her team at the cause marketing agency i, I mean i met her at a, a comic con she was uh, uh i think she was wonder woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, oh yeah 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 she's
0: a crazy she's a crazy woman too she's out there and does her bat woman and
1: <laughs> yeah and it's built out since then it, you know she's a
0: wild woman
1: <laughs> yeah, she's built this into a career and 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 helping people and this is yeah. one of the reasons that i started this podcast too is to help people talk with people just like you uh, and help to spread the, the word about what you do and uh Harsev, well, i
0: appreciate you dan uh,
1: i'm so I, happy I, to I, be I talking to, to you. i want to give
0: you a shout out too <laughs> i i got a chance to view some of your other your previous programs and and i appreciate some of the topics and concerns you have and um and thank you for having me I, i'm i'm humbled and most honored thank you to be one of your it's guests
1: all on this side all right i usually <laughs> like to finish these things off with last words for the people this could be words to live by maybe somebody uh, told you something a long time ago or a mantra that you wake up every morning since you're a guru you probably wake up with a mantra or just whatever <laughs> pops it pops into your head at this moment in time harsev jr Tierra, the hemp guru llc Give the last words for the people.
0: Enjoy life to the fullest, ladies and gentlemen, and take charge of your own. All my love from all of us.
1: Oh my goodness, there you have it, party people. I could have talked to him for hours and hours and hours. That man's got so much knowledge up in his head, so much knowledge to impart to the people. I encourage you to go to hempgurullc.com and get some of that knowledge. If you're hurting, if you got a little pain, eh, CBD might be the way to go. Cannabis, uh, any, any of the cannabis products that he has available on that website and so much more. Oh my goodness, he's got uh, some immune, uh, N99 Immune Support LLC is something that he's working on, and that's going hand-in-hand hand with the LLC.com. so I encourage you to find out more. Thank you so much, Harsef, JR, Tiara. I encourage you to drop the, the JR. Harsef is just easy enough for, uh, for most people could, to say. <laughs> Hi, I'm Harsef. Harsef. Hey, easy to say, come on. Even Tierra. Yeah. (laughs) All right. But if JR is the way people know you, that's fine, too. (laughs) What's in a name, right? Hey, thank you. Really, really. The pleasure was all mine having you here on the What Makes You Famous podcast. All right. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. If you, yes, you, my loyal listener, if you'd like to tell your story, I encourage you to give me a call, 501 470 6386, or email keysdan at aol.com. That's it for me. It's keysdanradiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag what makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at what makes you famous follow on instagram at what makes you famous follow on twitter at makes famous and follow on youtube at keys dan leave what makes you famous podcast a review and subscribe PayPal.me forward slash KeysDan. Email info at radio what.com. What makes you famous podcast is a production of KeysDan Enterprises Incorporated at keysdan.com. Thank you for listening. Radio What the music you want with some great, great quotes. If you believe everything you read, you better not read. Japanese proverb The music you want. Radio What. .com. Hey, Keys Dan, what you doing? My line. I'm playing the best music by request, 24 hours a day. Click on the request tab at the top of RadioWhat.com. RadioWhat.com.